Hi, this is Steve Erspringer. You're listening to Worshiping God God's Way. And in this podcast, I'm going to be talking about 1 Corinthians 14, 24, and 25. But before I do that, I want to talk about where we worship, where people in the past have worshiped. We see people that worship in the deserts. We see people worshiping in the workplaces. We see people worshiping in the tent. We see people worshiping at home. But when you talk about a congregation of people, a group of people that are coming for a specific purpose, when you start to talk about worship, you have to look at 1 Corinthians 14. And there's a reason for that. When Paul went to Athens, he went there and first started ministering and talking in a synagogue. He finds that the people over 18 months listen to him, but at one point there's some conflict, and then he moves to the house next door. There's a man who lives there. He also works in the synagogue, but he knows Paul. He's been listening to him for 18 months, and he welcomes him into his house. And what happens is the house begins to fill with people. There were probably people from the synagogue that were coming. There were Greeks that were God-fearers who wanted to be like the Jewish people who believed in God. But when Paul first started his ministry in Athens, he went to one place and he was rejected, and then he went to the next place, the place next door. It sounds a little bit like the Azusa Street Revival history. And if you know anything about that, the pastor Seymour came from Texas. He had an experience in Texas, invited to California. He goes to a church and he begins to preach. And the first time he preaches in this church, by the next time he went back there, they had locked him out. So he goes to a person's house on the street that was called Bonnie Bray. In that house, he starts to preach. People begin to fill the place. He goes from Bonnie Bray over to 312 Azusa Street. It's a little similar in some ways to Paul going to that synagogue and then getting locked out and then going to the house next door. What Paul is teaching, you can read about in 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. He explains what takes place in a meeting where the Holy Spirit is moving. In Corinthians 14, 24, he says this, if an unbeliever comes into your house, or even a person who's just inquiring and they don't believe yet, when they come in and they hear everybody prophesying, they are convinced of sin and they are brought under the judgment of all as the secrets of their hearts are laid bare and people can see who they are. Then people realize what's going on. That's what he's saying. So they fall down and they worship God. The people then proclaim or will tell everyone else that God is really there, that God is really among you. In this verse, Paul is saying that prophesying, actually when it's done correctly and it's done by everyone, it convinces people that God is real because it reveals the secrets in their hearts and not necessarily bad things. It's just the secret things. They're not always secret sins. There's just things about them that are revealed to everyone. And then it says this, all are brought under the judgment of all. It just means that the people are judging the prophetic words and they find out and they realize that they're true, that they're actually real prophetic words. And the proof of that is people fall down and they worship God. Then Paul uses the word prosukaneo, bowing down, kissing the master's feet. So when you see this happening, 
they realize that God is really there. It does remind me of the stories that I hear about the Azusa Street Revival and how it transitioned from a church, which was a holiness church, that didn't accept him or his theology. And then they go to another place where people are eager for God and the Holy Spirit, and then it, things start to happen. Well, when Paul was in Corinthians, the church there, before he actually started those evening meetings, he had been in Philippi. And Philippi had accused him of teaching things that were illegal. Then he was in Thessalonica. When he was there, the Jewish community, they came at him and said he was teaching things that are contrary to Caesar's demands. But here in this scripture, at this time in Corinthians, they accuse him of teaching people to worship God in illegal ways. Now, if Paul is in the synagogue, and let's suppose that he's teaching the same thing that he was teaching in the house next door, the main point would have been prophesying, and there would have been a few other things he talked about. But when they started actually taking place, when they started prophesying, and people's secrets started being revealed, and people started to bow down in worship, the leaders of that synagogue, they would have had a problem with that. Now, if Paul would have just spoken about prophesying, then it would have been different. And what do I mean by that? In Numbers 11, everybody who lived in that synagogue, who was in that community, they knew the story about Moses. And the story basically says that Moses brought all of the elders into a tent. The presence of God came down. The Lord said he came down like in a cloud. That's what they usually used as an analogy. And he spoke with them, and he spoke to Moses. And it says Moses took the power that was on him, the power of the Spirit that had fallen on him, and he put it on the 70 elders. When the Spirit rested on them, they began to prophesy. Then, after the prophesying's done, the Holy Spirit's done, they all leave, and they take off and go do something else. Moses leaves, but there are two men that stay behind. They remained in the camp, and the Holy Spirit falls on them, and they begin to prophesy in the camp. Well, there's a young man who hears all of this, and he runs out to get Moses. He wants to let him know that there's something awry going on in the camp. The man's name is Joshua. Well, Moses hears Joshua's complaint, and Moses says to him, So are you jealous for my sake? Are you sticking up for me? Are you trying to protect me? Or is it because of what you want? Are you upset about it? Moses says, I wish all of the Lord's people were prophets. I wish all of them would prophesy. And I also wish that all of them would be full of the Spirit of God, that God would put His Spirit on them. This is Numbers 11. Compare that to Acts, the book of Acts, chapter 19, four through five. Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one who was coming after him, which was Jesus. And on hearing this, all of them were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then it says, Paul placed his hands on them. The Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke in tongues and they prophesied. 
Those in the synagogue would not argue with Paul about Numbers 11.25. They would have had a problem, though, if the Holy Spirit began to move within their service on the Sabbath and people began to prophesy. It broke the tradition of the service. It was no longer a song and then a message and then, you know, maybe a, a group prayer together. And that's what happens to us today. Even though it's 2,000 years later, we have a traditional service. We do the same thing each time. We sing, we gather, we have someone speak to us, we pray together, and then we leave. It's really the same thing. And when the Holy Spirit comes, and if it comes on a person and they begin to prophesy, there's an earthquake that takes place. People will reject it. And I understand, really, why those in the synagogue in Corinthians, I'm sure that they really had a problem with that. But the people that did not struggle with it, they went to the house next door. They joined that house, that meeting. And out of that meeting comes all the ideas and all the giftings of God moving in people's lives. And this is why he says what he says in Corinthians 14, 24 through 25. If a believer comes in and you're all prophesying, that's what Moses would say to do. That's what happens when God's Spirit comes on people. And that Holy Spirit prophetic word, not just from the pulpit, not just from one person, but from the congregation, from all of those in the tent, all of those in the tribe when they're prophesying. It convicts people of their sin. That's a good thing. And they're all judged. For instance, what they're saying is that everyone's listening to these people prophesying and they're listening in the sense of, is this right? Well, it is right when the secrets of the people's hearts are revealed. And secondly, they fall down and they worship, prosukaneo, worshiping God, and they say God's really there. There's truth behind the prophetic word. There's realistic results behind prophetic words. Now, I'm going to flip this a little bit because I've been in meetings where the prophetic has moved and people are really prophetic at certain times. Most of the time, though, it's from the pulpit, from a specific person, a specific guest coming to do those things. There's a little confusion when it comes to that. I've been in good meetings, and I can tell you there's been some bad meetings, ones that aren't so right. And I've had people prophesy to me the truth, and I've said, that's right. And I've also had them act like they're prophesying, and it was not right. So you get this conflict of things. But the conflicts don't overrule God himself. God wants the group, the congregation, all of the elders, all the people in the tent, all the people in the house, he wants them prophesying because he wants to convict, he wants to bring people into a place of falling down and worshiping him and calling out like Paul said to Timothy, go to a place where people call out the name. He says the surname of God, the Lordship of Christ. They call out that name and they say, God is really among you. That's what Paul's saying in this verse. And if we can grasp this, I know it's difficult today. Churches reject the book of Acts. Churches reject the Holy Spirit's giftings. People don't know what to do with it, so they ignore it. Paul had to move on from Corinthians, the, the churches that actually 
became complicated with all sorts of social and personal issues, that's a reality itself, but it does not change the fact that Moses and Paul had the exact same idea and they had the exact same results. And God is still doing that today. He's just trying to find people like you and I who want to be worshipers, who want other people to be worshipers. The most important thing, I want to see people worship. And if that means someone has to prophesy to reveal the secrets in their hearts, I would say, let them prophesy. I would say, let these people, more than one, prophesy and lay their hearts bare and let God do what he wants to do. And when the truth is said, they will fall down and they will worship him. And they will know, the whole world will know, that God is really there. We need to be prophetic worshipers, worshiping God, God's way. Oh, 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 oh